The Force is with you, young Skywalker. But you are not a Jedi yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Hey! Suffering. Death! dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side. I must obey my master. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Aren't the droids we're looking for? Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Do my only help. Hello there. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I, 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 Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Jedi, Sith, and everything and everyone in between to another exciting edition of the new Force Order. Podcast. We are a Star Wars podcast. Now, if you have not realized that by now, I have no idea why not. And I guess your name is Ed and you're very special because you have no goddamn clue. So, Doc, what happens to those people who don't have a clue? Um, they have no hope. That's right. And when you don't have any hope, sunshine, you're not only in the same category as Alvin Alvarez and Joey Tell, but your stupid ass can't build a rebellion. Rebellions are built on hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Because rebellions are built on hope. But I digress. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I'm not Hove, H-D-O-V, just a wrestler by the name of GGP, a.k.a. Greek God Papadon, Star Wars aficionado, the mayor of real town who's educating and smacking around all these citizens of Leg Slap City. And children with wives. And, not that Greek. And I'm also a multi-time champion galaxy far far away who will be defending his three championships this saturday at immortal championship wrestling against the man of steel mike verna and sunday at new york wrestling connection if i still retain him on saturday i will be defending him on sunday nywc versus christian nunez an up-and-coming uh wrestler with a great future so i'm giving him an opportunity of a lifetime to step in the ring with the alpha and the omega for wrestling but enough about myself let's get to the other hosts of the show 
first and foremost, it's the Sith ghost in the room, all the way from Mexico, who's hiding not only from the IRS, from all his baby's mamas. Hit him with a hey yo. I know it's been great, Spiro. And then introduce yourself. Hey yo. Ladies and gentlemen, I am the talk lord of the podcast, the Sith Ari, the rampaging Reverend Kiss, the butcher, the most disgruntled Star Wars fan in the galaxy. Your boy Spiro. The last, but not least, by any stretch of the imagination or rectum, it's the medical droid with the kung fu grip and the healthiest lightsaber in all of the galaxy far, far away. Introduce yourself there, Sunshine. That's because of the COVID vaccine. Uh, I am smarter than 2-1-B, more technical than FX7, the god of Steel and Thunder. And Papa Dunn, what do uh, Joe Biden and uh, Harvey Weinstein have in common? I don't know. What do they have in common? They both said, take this little prick or you're losing your job. Dr. Destroyo, Alex Arroyo. That was a good one. I like that one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to it. Um, some news has dropped this week about Star Wars. Wait, wait. One second, okay? I have some breaking news that you didn't even send in, okay? I just want to announce that the friend, one of the, our greatest friends of this show, actor extraordinaire Dominic Pace, has just announced two and a half hours ago on his Facebook that it is official. He has gotten an officially licensed, bonded, and traded product of his character, the Gecko to be put out by Lucasfilm officially in early 2022. A very happy Wednesday to everybody. I just got off a phone call with um, a uh, licensed uh, Lucasfilm merchandise uh, company there and uh, happy to announce uh, that Gecko will have his first license piece uh, early next year of 2022. As promised uh, to uh, a number of commanding officers who have been there with me, along with the garrisons, the legions, etc., cetera, uh, since uh, day one, um, I want to do something for you guys next year and have an event. I'm going to pick maybe 12 to 13 major uh, U.S. cities um, to have an event at no cost, uh, just to say thank you to all of you. Uh, I appreciate you guys so much. I'm sorry I uh, was ready to throw in the towel there, but, you know, it just, it's been a lot of uh, emotional uh, stress to try to carry uh, your own flag uh, with a, a major franchise and not knowing what the future is going to hold. I just didn't want to be that guy uh, at these conventions. So I appreciate you all. Uh, this is a dream come true, and um, I look forward to seeing everybody in 2022. Thank you so much. So I just want to give a round of applause. Dominic Pace, congratulations, my friend. Hard work pays off, and you have succeeded with this long, long journey of trying to get some merch for the bounty hunter Gecko from the Mandalorian. And here we are. So he was just about to give up. Just to, you could hear it in his voice on his posts, and he got it. So he hasn't announced what it is, what it's going to be, but uh, we are looking forward to him having some merchandise. 
of his character and hopefully signing it, signing it for us in the future. Congratulations there, Dom. Hell of a person, hell of a man, hell of a work ethic, hell of an actor. So congratulations to you. Um, this actually made me happy in a shit day that I'm having, but uh, I wasn't aware of the news. So thank you for breaking the news there, Doc. Breaking news. You're not only breaking my balls, but you're breaking news. So congratulations. That's awesome. Um, so let's talk about The Mandalorian. Since we brought up Dominic. Since we'll start with there. Uh, rumor has now been confirmed to, if you will, that The Mandalorian season number three is going back into production. September 20th, and she'll be shooting until March 23, 2022. Now, this is, I think, it's being reported uh, uh, through StarWarsNewsNet.com, so it's pretty uh, reliable source. Yep. Let's see, so, March 22. Um, that means they need to, like, at least like, five or six months to wrap it up. So, so, so we'll see, we're thinking maybe this time next year we'll see it. Yeah, probably, probably Somewhere, December twenty two. Maybe think December twenty two, so more than more than a year. Well, if it's done the first quarter of twenty twenty two, and then they have to do post production. I don't know how you just said it takes what. Well, five no, you know, you said that they were going to start it September and finish in March. Finish filming. Yes, but they need time to do this. So, I'm assuming potentially September they they should they should be releasing. So hopefully, maybe a year from now. But knowing them, they'll delay till Christmas. That's what I'm saying, because usually December... Well, actually, no, because December 2020... Is it 2023 that Rogue uh, Squadron's coming out? Yeah, right? Who cares? Yeah. Anyway. But besides all that, I was wrong. There will be a season three. But season two has kicked in the doorway in the fourth floor. All you heard was, Manda, don't hit me no more, because this motherfucker is winning all the Emmys. Indeed, Mandalorian has cleaned some shit up. You want to list them? I have a list as well of some other stuff that they won. So you just made the list. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Hold on. Okay, so let's see. Mando winning some good stuff. I got my photos, took a screenshot. All right. Emmy Awards this year have to bring home the Emmys for outstanding prosthetic makeup, and that wasn't for anybody's penis. Outstanding cinematography for a single camera series, half hour, and outstanding sound mixing. I agree with this for a comedy or drama series, one hour at the Creative Arts Emmys on Saturday night. Uh, on Sunday, The Mandalorian brought home the Emmys for Outstanding Stunt Performance, Outstanding Stunt Coordination, and Outstanding Special Visual Effects in a Season or a Movie. So Mando is on the man roll um, and really kicking some ass, man. That's, uh, again, some much-needed... Uh, you you say also music? Uh, did I say music? I don't think I said music, no. Yeah, they won also for Outstanding Music Composition for a Series, Original Dramatic Score. Ludwig Gorison is wrecking house with his Ludwig Borga? No, Ludwig Gorison. So, kudos to him. I mean, he's the one who came up with the theme, right? Uh, yeah, I guess. I'm assuming he right? did. Right? He did everything. Everything has been all Ludwig except for the scene that we found uh, that they mentioned in gallery where Luke shows up and they actually put a little bit of John Williams in to make it feel that much special. So. A smart guy, you know why? Uh, if it ain't broke, right? If it's not broke, don't fix it. But speaking about not broke, did you see what's coming out as far from the toy front from uh, 
Uh, Force effects elite lightsabers. Speaking about real broke, so yeah, so Force effects elite lightsabers is releasing the Ray Skywalker lightsaber. Um, the uh, the one she had at the end of the Rise of Skywalker that turned Jello. Um, this is on the heels of the Disney Galaxy's Edge also releasing their Ray lightsaber, which came out. Pretty quickly after I had, you know, visited them already in whenever I was there, May or some shit. Um, so they they're both piggybacking them together. So I, I've kind of doubled up on some of those lightsabers. Like I think I, I've seen, I bought the the Force Effects Dooku lightsaber, and then one of my friends had me pick him up the Galaxy's Edge Dooku lightsaber. And honestly, holding them side by side, there is very very little difference. I mean, it's almost an imperceptible difference of what they feel like and what they look like and, and how they do what they do. So um, I had gotten the Galaxy's Edge Mando Saber. I showed you that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I realized after we got off the show that night that I had the Mando Saber on order from Amazon So I for the Force Effects one, so I promptly canceled it because I don't need two Mando Sabers. I mean, let's be serious. This one's the Galaxy's Edge one, which is probably uh, 0.01% better than you know the Force Effect one at this point. So I'm trying to save some space, save some dough, and uh, not double up my savers. So we have not only two girls with green eyes, it's two girls with white with uh, yellow savers, but it's also your favorite movie, Two Girls, One Saber. Yeah, of course. I love that movie. <laughs> you got to search the dark web for that one, though. <laughs> is, that where you go, is, that, is that when you whip out your dark saber? Yeah. No joke. Have, have you seen that video ever? What the dark web? No, no, I don't no. Go on that. No, two two girls, one cup. I saw like two seconds of it, and I had to throw up and fucking yeah. tear up. Ah, come on, it's Greek. You guys love that sketch. Shit. Come the fuck out of here. I watched it to the very end. You did, and then I watched it again with some loops. No. <laughs> Yuck. Anyhow, I'll do you one better if you want. Go find one one man, one jar. That's something I I was able to watch to the end. No thanks. Um, well, your boy, my boy, Star Wars theories, fucking man crush, hating Christensen, uh, promoted Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, the internet's were ablaze, Johnny Blaze, if you will. Uh, he was at Florida SuperCon doing pictures, signing autographs, and he's wearing he was wearing a Kenobi uh, hat from the series, a crew hat. And that's yep. what we call news nowadays, Doc. Well, I mean, they announced a very long time ago that he was going to be part of this, so it's not like it's uh, you know breaking news. We're not to break out the because we knew that was going to happen. What I thought was even more interesting because I, I I kind of went down the rabbit hole looking at this article and I saw some of the photos that were were happening. That um um <laughs> I've been to these meet these these meet and greets at these at these at these conventions, you know, prior to COVID. And you got to shake the person's hand, you know, stand next to them, whatever. Maybe they would throw their arm around you if you're a hot chick. Who knows? Um, now they have a plexiglass screen in between you and the talent. Really? Yes. So if you look at those photos from there, you can see this reflection of Hayden's arm in each one of those photos. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, what's did they fuck these photos up? And then as you zoom in on it, you can see this thin little layer of plexiglass that's standing in between him and the people who are there. And some people got very creative with it. They, uh, you know, one of the girls, like, you know, put her hand on the glass and, like, kicked her leg up a little bit. 
like swooning over him like through the glass and then he was making like a half a heart and you would finish the other half a heart on the opposite side of the glass so you could see that through the thing um but uh yeah so now now you have to pay i don't know I, i'm assuming it's really expensive to meet him because he, i'm sure he's probably charging a ton of dough um i know stanley was at some point it was like probably 200 bucks 300 bucks to actually meet him and, and take a photo um you got to do it through a fucking plexiglass which is uh Real, uh, real convenient for everybody. I can just picture me right now paying a hundred bucks to go get an autograph and a picture of Hayden Christian, and then seeing that plexiglass. You know what I would do? You would do the. No! <laughs> no. I, I, I thought you were gonna go full Shawn Michaels barbershop window. I should, right? Either that or <laughs> make believe it's a glass table and take a dump on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think there's a few people that could sit here and talk about really, well, not really obscure, but old wrestling references and, and would get it like you and I do. Of course. Of course. Listen, um, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Uh, had me naked on the cover of the magazine. Uh, listen, uh, Star Wars Visions, speaking about dreams, their episodes is going to be anywhere from 13 to 22 minutes long. The entire series is in about 2.5 hours long. How many minutes long? 13 to 22. So it's still longer than you and I could have. Uh, I was going to just drop that on you right now. You beat me to it. <laughs> I was like, that's twice as long as uh, you lasted him. Oh, God. But listen, uh, the article itself from StarWarsNewsNet.com got me a little vexed. And I'll tell you why. Oh, that means triggered for all you millennials out there. And all you SJW warriors. Um... In the article, this is what they phrased, right? It starts off like this. Episodes vary in length from 13 to 22 minutes. Looks like the entire series runs about two and a half hours long. Okay, cool. Descriptive, informative, straight to the point. Then if you scroll down the article, they go, Star Wars Visions promises to give many fans what they've been clamoring for years. A look at the franchise from a non-Western, non-white perspective. What the fuck, dude? Like, why, why, why? Why? I don't think I was looking for that ever. No, because to me, when I watch Star Wars, it's not about color. It's about good stories. It's about the Force. I mean, I, don't, I thought maybe it was just me. I don't know. What, I mean, what's your take on that statement, Doc? Do you think there's a? Do you think there should be room in the Star Wars lore for fucking identity politics and fucking uh, what's that called when they fucking try to reflect their ideals on everybody? Um, oh. Whatever. Do you think this is room for this bullshit? Um, it's 2021, man. People are going to make room for whatever they want to make room for, unfortunately. I think this is a... I think... I don't, why would they throw that in there? I can see if they wanted to go with an, uh, you know, an, an Eastern, um, you know, a, a, a flair to it, but not a non-white. Jeez, that's, that's really fucking like... That's... that's that's a charge statement, and I think it's a completely unnecessary statement to make. Um, holy shit, that's uh, you know, I, I'm not looking for it. I was looking, I wasn't looking, you know, for that. I can't. I, I haven't been in conversations with with Star Wars fans. That like, you know what? I fucking really want what I've been clamoring for. I want some Chinese people in Star Wars, and I want some 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 Japanese influence. I I don't know. No one's ever said that to me in the 45 years I've been on this planet. So. Maybe these guys know something that we don't know, Pop. 
Well, the guy who wrote his name is Miguel Fernandez. So I don't know what the fuck's he doing. I don't know. I mean, you're Puerto Rican and Italian. Spiro's Puerto Rican and Greek. And I'm Greek who looks Puerto Rican. So, you know, we're all diverse here. So it doesn't, I mean, there's no reason, rhyme or reason to try to bring uh, ethnicities into Star Wars and gender and all this nonsense. I mean, fact of the matter is, Star Wars was, was in my opinion, a brand and IP that broke barriers with putting out the first female hero, not a damsel in distress. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, their lead, one of their lead characters was James Earl Jones. I mean, I don't understand. Then you had Billy Dee Williams, you had Mace Windu, you had uh, the guy who played um, Jar Jar, he's African American. You had Donnie Yen, you had the if all, now the plethora of female characters left and right, right? Uh, Baze Malbus also. Uh, now, now we're getting the Japanese take on this uh, from the samurai and anime point of view. So I don't understand why they even trying to. I mean, Diego Luna, Mexican guy in Star Wars. It's not like it's hey, it's the white boy club can't come in. I don't understand why they even fucking print shit like this and why Star Wars News Net would even allow something like this because it just adds more fuel to the fire, which is the toxicity in any genre, in my opinion. But anyway, I don't want to go off on a tangent. I just had to say my piece. No, uh, I, I agree with you 100%. I think it's it's unnecessary, unneeded, and a place that you know Star Wars does not have to go to. Uh, I guess when I get it, you know, kids grow up, and if you're if you're black, if you're Chinese, you know, the the, the amount of role models that you have in movies and in shows and things to see is, is very very limited. I understand that. Um, this is why everybody's making a big deal about Shang Chi right now. You know, it's the, great you know, the film. First, I, I thought the first half it was a great film. I thought the second half got a, took a hard left in the fantasy, and I was a little, you know, we I think we talked about this last week yes. off the off the air, um, but um, I thought overall it was good. But this is why this is like, like Black Panther was important, like Shang Chi is important, and I, and I get that, I understand that. Um, but it, that's just a very charged statement for somebody to make that you know a non-white, you know, representation of Star Wars. Okay, mm, whatever. Move along, move along. Um, unfortunately, we do have some bad news. Star Wars and Marvel voice actor Tom Kane has been forced into early retirement after a stroke. Uh, you might be people might say Tom Kane, who's that? Longtime voice actor Tom Kane has been forced into early retirement. A new statement from his family reads: Kane, known for his work on various Star Wars and Marvel franchises, suffered a stroke at the end of last year. Um, and the statement from his daughter says, because of this stroke, my dad has been forced into early retirement. That's his daughter, Sam, stated this on her Facebook on Friday. The damage to his speech center is just too severe. He cannot read well, nor get out the words he wants, which is sort of required for voice acting. He has what's called apraxia, which means apraxia, apraxia, apraxia. Okay. Which means he has difficulty moving smoothly from one sound, syllable, or word to another. Groping movements, like with his jaw, lips, or tongue, to make the correct movement of speech sounds are impaired. 
Essentially, he knows exactly what she wants to say. He knows exactly what's going on, but the words are trapped in his head. And when they do come out, it's usually slurred, too slurred to understand. The statement then points out that Kane is able to communicate with his loved ones. Kane is able? Oh, I see what you did there. Ah, nice. Uh, Is to communicate with loved ones using nonverbal communication with his daughter, Sam, joking around, saying, thank God he's an actor and great at charades. So, my, my, and I don't want to say my condolences, but my, my heart goes out to this guy. Um, I feel bad for him. Great. From what I'm saying, he was a nice guy and he's a great actor. And um, it's a damn shame. Yeah, that's uh, horrific. I mean, if, if, you're, if your whole gimmick is that, you know, you use your voice to do what you got to do. And then suddenly your brain has, uh, you stroke out, you hit that center of the brain that deals with speech and you're, you're like, you're trapped like that that's that sucks that, that, that it really does sucks. uh have you been caught up on comics yet have i caught up on co- which comics are we talk about specifically well, star, the star, is, the star is trek no. comics what do you think dude the, the answer is no. all right all right well there was a good article from cbr.com i'm going to read the article it says han solo's body brought the galaxy to the edge of war. Now, war, ha! Huh? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Um, the reason I want to read is it's a good summarization of the entire story arc of bounty hunters, uh, the war of bounty hunters. And I think it'll be a nice enlightening tale to the fans who are just maybe listening to the show for the first time or have not been following what's going on. So basically, so everyone understands, this happens between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And it's the story of what happens to Han Solo's body frozen in carbonite after Jabba leaves, um, I'm sorry, Boba leaves to go take him to Jabba the Hutt. Now we know that's where he ends up. The fact that there's a year's space between the movies gives him a lot of wiggle room to put filler stories in and tries to make rhyme and reason out of certain maybe you plot holes or lines in a movie and add more levity, clarity, uh, and just more nuance and ambiance to the entire property. So War of the Bounty Hunters number four reveals that several factions, including the Huts, the Empire, are willing to go to war over the body of Han Solo. There are a few things in Star Wars that can lead to war on a galactic scale. It could be emerging Sith empires, Mandalorian daily affairs, but it turns out that Frozen Hunt Solo can also plunge the galaxy into conflict. This is a story behind Star Wars The War of the Bounty Hunters by Charles Soule, Luke Ross, David Messina, Naraj Menon, and Guru EFX and VC Travis Lanham. Thus far, the series has shown how Solo's body was stolen from Boba Fett after the events of Empire Strikes Back by the reemergent Crimson Dawn crime syndicate that we saw in Solo movie, one of the great movies, Holly's uh, favorite movie. Since then, Solo was placed up for auction, not by the comic book store that Doc goes to, but uh, by Crimson Dawn. And that was an auction that Jabba the Hutt actually won. However, Darth Vader showed up. 
And he showed no respect to Jabba's wing. He said, fuck your couch, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> Look, bitch, I'm Rick James. <laughs> Why don't I stretch out? <laughs> fuck your couch, nigga. And claimed Solo for the Empire. Jabba relinquished his claim. But there are a number of players still vying for Solo's body even with him now in the possession of Vader and the Empire. In issue four, Jabba leaves the auction in an indifferent mood. He lost his quarry, but he maintained his relationship with the Empire. However, his subordinate, Boku the Hutt, who's a jacked-up hut with abs, so it was, like, it was like Mike Verna, but hut form, is not pleased with Jabba's decision, believing that it makes the huts look weak. So with a grandiose speech... He gets the backing of the remaining Hut Council members and prepares to make a move. While Boku is ranting about Solo being in the Empire's possession, Leia, Chewie, and Lando, who were able to sneak into the Crimson Dawn auction, hurriedly made their way to the Millennium Falcon to pursue the Imperial Shuttle. Meanwhile, Boba, Boba Fett, where? Uh, also makes his way back to his ship, which is the slave one, but is waylaid by Dedgar and Valance. Against the odds, Fat escapes, leaves Dengar stranded on an iceberg, and forms a, um, a cursory alliance with Valance. I have no idea who Valance is. Valance is the cyborg um, uh, bounty hunter that initially oh, okay. was... was um... Legends, right? Yeah, no, he was in the initial, the very, very first Marvel Comics uh, stuff in the 80s. Oh, that's right. Okay, got it. Then the two of them also join the pursuit. As the Imperial Shuttle makes its way to Vader's Star Destroyer, Leia, Leia's rebels are the first group to arrive on the scene. Since Lobot's implants, not his titties, were originally designed by the Imperials, he's able to interface with the shuttle and disable it. As they prepare to board the shuttle, Boba Fett arrives on the scene and sets off a seismic charge. That's where we put the seismic charge uh, sound effect in. Uh, this disables the Falcon, and Boba is pleased with his success until Boku shows up with the entire Hut fleet. Battle to gain the frozen body of Han Solo has intensified in a very short time. In this issue alone, the Imperials had Solo. And the rebels almost steal him from Boba. I, I mean, almost steal him until Boba shows up. Then Boku shows up and disables Boba. Although the ultimate fate of Solo's body is already established as part of Star Wars canon, the journey for him to reach his destination has been a whirlwind, consisting of one unexpected occurrence after another. So there you have it, folks. The galaxy's at war because everybody wants a piece of Han Solo, especially Leia. She wants a certain piece. In her mouth. <laughs> she wants the uh, the hardest carbonite block. There we go. Uh, I, I thought this was interesting that even frozen and not aware of what's happening in this world, Han Solo is still causing a ruckus. I thought that, 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 that is the most Han Solo thing you could do without being Han Solo. <laughs> no, you're right. When you're right, you're right. I'm gone for a little bit and everyone has delusions of grandeur. <laughs> That's it gives it gives a certain point of view to that to that line now. Yeah. Lucas also Lucasfilm also reveals Kira led Crimson Rain comic series. Uh premise and new cover is shown. This is by uh Star Wars Again, let's see who wrote this one. 
Oh, Miguel Fernandez. Let's see if she says he says she's too white. Anyhow, <laughs> last month it was announced. Um, the War of Bounty Hunters comic that is currently being released would be the first in a series of three. So it's a it's a it's a trilogy. The second one coming out right after the War of the Bounty Hunters ends will be called Crimson Rain and will be focused on Kira, who was revealed to be part of the story. Uh, I, I thought some, I thought that's when she had the time of the month. <laughs> I'd be dope if she had red wings on her cover on the cover of the comic. <laughs> yeah. All right. StarWars.com today released a series of covers from the first issue, and out of them, there's one we hadn't seen seen below. This came to us in a news article promoting the issues coming out. Uh, they had a good tagline. After the dawn comes the rain. I thought that was fucking money. The story begins. With War of the Bounty Hunters continues here, the second installment of the trilogy that will reshape the history of the Star Wars galaxy during the Age of the Rebellion, featuring the return of the beloved characters, shocking twists, epic feats of the Force, and a story that will reach the Star Wars darkest underworld all the way to the Imperial Palace on Coruscant. Crimson Rain is a Star Wars saga like no other. What do you think, Doc? Uh, they've been doing good stuff with the comics. I mean, they have been, you know, delving into stuff that they can't get into the movies or series, and they're really bringing the story along. You know, we talked about before about bringing Kira back in, which I thought was great. Um, I think it's awesome. Um, let them, let them keep going. Let them rock and roll with it. Um, I think it's a, it's it's a good thing for Star Wars in general, especially if the stories are good and the art is good. You're absolutely right. I think the Marvel is doing a tremendous job. Charles Soule is the MVP. Um, he's really stepped up with storytelling. Not that he was doing shit job before, but I'm just saying, like, he's actually added a lot to the lore. Um, but you know what else is coming back? All right, what's coming back? KOTOR. KOTOR. Oh. We've mentioned this. We've mentioned this. This time, The Returns will be making its remake and is a timed exclusive to PlayStation 5. Now, there's also news that the person who will be writing the game is some SJW chick. I forgot her name. Um, and she obviously has went on Twitter and started trolling people really hard, saying that they're going to change the game to fit today's, I guess, demographic. And people are upset that they're going to change everything, a.k.a. make it woke. So I have no feelings. I have no skin in the game on this because I wasn't a tour guy. Yeah. I know you weren't the real tour guy because uh, you like shit that's canon. I'm like Revan. <laughs> so let's go to the Sith Force ghost in the room. Spiro, please, I would like to hear your fucking point of view, your rant, your... Everything in between regarding the KOTOR remake being released on PlayStation 5 and that video we sent to you about this chick who's going to be headlining everything. And basically, she's an SJW warrior who's looking to make this game more woke. That's what everyone's saying. What is your take on the matter? Is it great? Is it not great? Let us know. Okay, so... Knights of the Old Republic remake. Yay. Awesome. Everybody's excited. Then the word was, oh, wait, it's a PS5 exclusive. 
What the fuck? Why? Why would something this big be a PS5 exclusive? I mean, I fucking get why Sony would want that. I mean, it's fucking money. How much money did Sony pay Disney to have it as an exclusive? You know, but as all things, or most things, not all things, but most things that are exclusive to one console, fucking years down the road or something, months, even maybe, I don't know, man. You know, the Xbox will get the fucking Nintendo um whatever but the cool thing is you know uh it's gonna be coming out on the pc at the same time that it comes out on the ps5 and i'm happy for that and i prefer that because i played the first two kotor games on on the playstation no bullshit i played i think i i don't fucking remember man i'm 47 man like you know anyways uh but i'm i'm actually gonna play this game I'm I'm gonna get it. I wanna experience what they're doing with it. Um for good or bad. On the PC, you know, I wanna experience it through the power of my fucking bat computer that I have in, in my lair. Um in my Sith lair. Now talking about good or bad for for better or worse. Disney cannot help themselves. They can't help themselves for some reason they always they they insist on hiring these fucking sjw's man to fuck things up you know is it any coincidence was this hiring done before or after kathleen kennedy's contract was renegotiated and she was re-signed and shit because this smells and stinks of fucking kathleen Cunt kennedy um and you know this person comes and she talks about hey you know i played the fucking games when they first came out Man, you know, these guys, you know, she was saying something about that they didn't do a good job with them. But this bitch who's not a fan of this shit is going to do an even better job. And she's going to update this shit for the modern audience. What the fuck does the modern, what, what does that even mean, the modern audience? You mean the fucking pussy fucking SJW all-inclusive fucking we're all special audience? You know, so what are we going to have a fucking Revan and a Malik that are conflicted about killing each other because they were lovers? You know, I mean, are they going to fucking job out everybody so that Bastilek could be the fucking uh, the fucking, you know, fucking face, the fucking champ? What I mean, what are they planning on doing? Are they gonna fucking gender swap Revan and 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 call her Raven? What the fuck, man? Guys, like I said, I'm gonna give this game a shot. I'm gonna play through it because if they do attempt to inject their SJW bullshit and political views into this game, I want to be able to talk shit, but I want to be able to bring the fucking venom, the fire, and you know. I promise you that I will play this game and I will give you my honest fucking opinion and I will review it. And if it's the drizzling shits, I swear to God, man, I'm going to fucking take this game, shove it up somebody's ass. Okay. Put my fist down the throat and it's going to come out. It's going to come out and, and I'm telling you, man, oh my God, dude, I'm going to, oh man, I'm, I'm already pissed off thinking about the possibilities and I'm, you know, I'm pissed off thinking about just, just fucking imagining what this fucking SJW fucking progressive woke bitch 
is going to fucking write, you know? And don't tell me that, no, you know, we're not supposed to call women bitches. Well, she's a bitch, you know? In 2021, we can't call women bitches. Yes, we can, if they're a bitch. If she's a bitch, she's a fucking bitch, and, and I'm going to call her a bitch. And she, dude, she's fucking, I'm telling you, man, just when the fandom was fucking united once again, once, you know, you know, the the fandom finally started loving and appreciating Star Wars again. Now they're going to do this shit. Shit on all of us. We're going to be fighting, you know. You're going to have the fucking people on one side that are like, well, you know, I guess this is the way to go because it's 2021 and we live in a new world. Man, fuck you, man. Fucking. <sighs> Whatever, man. Now I got to go to therapy. Because they're going to fuck up Revan. Now I got to go to therapy because they're going to take the old Republic and turn it into a fucking, you know, SJW fucking shit show. I don't know. I don't know how much longer I can stay a Star Wars fan. I don't know. I don't know, guys. I'm going to ask for everybody out there, you know, even though I don't believe in God. I'm going to ask for everybody out there to, to pray for me. Okay? Wow, that's a mouthful. You can hear the passion in his voice, as usual. Especially Never. when it comes to the Revan. Just because things are not, are, are not canon. So. Quote the Revan. Nevermore, Never right? Nevermore. Yep, all that jazz. <laughs> Shout out to Chris Feehan. Um, another game decided to come out, or it's coming out. Um, Star Wars Hunter. Remember we talked about this? Mm-hmm. You saw? Did you see the trailer? I watched the trailer. Yeah, the trailer like, looked badass, right? It's pretty cool. It looks like they're gonna um, wedge this somewhere in the George's original trilogy. Um, you know, four, five, six. That's my. Talk about it later. That's my um, my sense as to what they were talking about with it with the the new game. Yeah. It's, uh, I started reading that article and then, you know, I realized that uh, it was more clickbait the way they, they presented the title and then they, yeah. they tied it to Hunters. Yeah. Um, but this is supposed to be uh, a free game for the Nintendo Switch. And, uh, cool. you know, it looks very interesting. Graphics look cool. That trailer was pretty cool. Um, hopefully the game is good. I hate the fact they try to tell canon stories in games because not everybody's a gamer, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's, that's all right. We'll manage. We'll see what happens, you know? Yeah. Um, were you a fan of the special editions? Was I a fan of the special editions? You mean the you Star Wars special editions? Of course. I was, I was a fan of the special editions. I thought that... You know, I thought for for what they were and what George decided to do for them, they were good for the Star Wars franchise in a time where we had no new Star Wars movies. So I, I was a fan, yes. Okay. Were you? Were you? Certain aspects I like, certain aspects I don't like. Okay. Um, the Han shot first, clearly. That's a problem. Obviously. Uh, the fact that we don't get Yub Nub. Yub Nub, okay, yeah. Um, the whole force ghost of... Hayden Christensen. Yeah, a little awkward. Agree. You know, um, I do like all the changes made in Empire, especially at Cloud City. I think yeah. it makes it 
look a lot better. Um, and uh, little minor things here and there. So, uh, you know, I'm not really, uh, I mean, we we got the running rib of McClunky. So, yeah, that know, works that, for that. It was funny, even though Han, Han did shoot first, Gascalea, she'll tell you. Um, but I guess she likes getting shot first because she's fighting for his fucking carbonation uh, penis. Hey, so. Well, yeah, the I reason. I think the problem with 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 the special edition in general is that you know artists are never satisfied with their product. They always have to relook at it and change things and go back in, especially if they still own that IP and do. Like, if you make a painting and you sell it, you can't really you know usually you don't get it back and get to you know fuck around with it again. But if you have something like a movie which you could re-release and do again and try to update things and make things to what you initially had wanted them when your budget wasn't there, then I understand what George is doing. <laughs> The reason I bring it all up, I was trying to segue into this article that we have, Star Wars Improved A New Hope Years Later, and in parentheses, not in the special editions. <laughs> that was my... Uh, not from a Jedi. <laughs> exactly. Um, there was a Star Wars radio drama of 1980, which improved A New Hope with additional dialogue, new scenes, and alternate opening. So I wanted to throw this onto your lap. So we have to tell the Russian lap dancer to get off your lap. And uh, I want you to tackle this. You got a chance to read it? I did. I, so I looked at a few of these. Um, these things that they had talked about. How the things that came before. Became after. Um, a New Hope. Kind of the same shit that happened after the. Uh, what am I blanking? The prequels. Mm-hmm. Um further strengthened or further made things better from the uh you know the 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 previous things that we had just seen when we just had that one portion of um of uh of of a video of tape of movie before um and now the stuff after is making everything better and i'm looking for this article as i'm trying to delay, delay from time and i can't find it hold on uh well the first thing they talk about is Luke's life on Tatooine. Yeah, Luke's life on Tatooine. Where do they wonder- talk about that? How, how wonderful it was. Really? That's all they talk about? How- <laughs> no. Oh. Not how wonderful it was. Hold on. Here we go. I found the art. Oh, fuck. Did I get the right one? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to throw you on the fucking no, no, it's all good, grenade man. Don't like worry. that. It's fine. I'll take the grenade. Um, so the first chapter of radio drama introduces listeners to Luke, his mundane yet dangerous life on Tatooine. Oh, cause it's dangerous. How much danger would we see except him running into the, the Tuscan Raiders, right? His friends and later features an exciting T-16 sky hopper race, which we never saw in the movies, obviously, because they had more time to, you know, expand on the radio drama. And the new opening, while not nearly as high octane as the film helps ease listeners into the life of Luke Skywalker before his adopted family died and the start of his path to the Jedi. Um, and the opening chapter also includes some uh, Tashi Station stuff, which is fantastic, and Biggs and shit like this. Uh, apparently, yes. Do you think they took the T sixteen Skyhopper race and turned it into the the pod race? I think they probably took a little, uh, you know, little liberties and kind of did that from there. It's more than likely that they wanted to get that done. I, I'll give you, a, I'll give you an actually little Star, Star Wars toy trivia. They actually made. A three and three quarter sized, so you can put your Luke in there. T sixteen Skyhopper, despite the fact that we never actually saw it on camera at any point during the uh, the movies. So, but you could still you know, bulldoze some fucking womp rats. I can tell you that. 
Okay. Wait a minute. The T-16 Skyhopper, wasn't that that little fucking toy he had in his hand that he was going like this with? Yes. But there was, it looked, had, it looked like a triangle. But they yeah, never yeah, yeah. actually showed the actual real ship. Which, you so know, what's, what's the ship? What was it the looks, name of the ship? What was the it, name of the ship that he they had Ben Kenobi in that he went to Cantina? Oh, that's the Land Speeder. Yeah, but what was the was it like a I don't, T38? I don't, know. I, don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but it's not T sixteen. Right. Anyway, Leia's mission to to Ralt here. Apparently, Leia went with um, Captain Antilles to an imperially occupied world. Ralt here to collect data on the Death Star. Um, you know that may have been kind of slightly retconned after the whole Rogue One thing. Uh, theft of the Death Star plans. Third and final chapter of the radio drama's alternate opening depicts a key portion for the Star Wars saga. The theft of the Death Star plans. After a costly but decisive victory above Taprara, that sounds like a sushi, rebel spies uh-huh. le- led by Bria Theron took over the planet's Imperial Research Station and combined various partial blueprints into the complete Death Star plans. Leia and Antilles aboard the Tantafo 4 arrived in orbit to Topor- above Topora and received the plans. Uh, Leia, with R2-D2's help, distracts the captain of an approaching Star Destroyer as the plans are beamed to her ship. So, this is, you know, not quite how it was, uh, you know, played out in uh, Rogue One and, and everything that happened from there, So, which is fine. Uh, but again, the backstory, is that canon the... Um, do they do they classify canon the, uh, the radio drama? I don't know. No. Okay. Leia's interrogation. So while the film, ver- film version of Star Wars only implies the horror of Darth Vader's interrogation of Leia, the radio drama dedicates a scene to it. Employing an Imperial ITO interrogator droid Ito, like Judge Ito who uh, put it, you know, who fucked up the OJ trial. Vader has Leia injected with the hallucin... Oh, well, this, is, this, this gets a little crazy. Vader has Leia injected with a hallucinogenic truth serum that induces... Oh, play that porno in- music now. <laughs> that induces hello ladies suggestibility (laughs) you will suck my penis um hold on lady it can be (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna really smell bad it's on this dude again i know i know you're laughing brandon miller all right um the uh why would a, a dark a dark lord of the sith a dark lord of the sith who has manipulated fourth pow- force powers need a truth serum that's going to give people hallucinogenic dreams and make them highly suggestible. That sounds like what the force does. Anyway, um, despite the serum invaders emotional and mental torture, uh, Leia resists frustrating the Sith Lord, but earning his begrudging respect. The scene shows the torture Leia endured aboard the Death Star and her incredibly strong will. The sequence additionally depicts Vader as having a sense of honor despite his atrocities. Uh, he, and he orders the medical personnel to assist Leia after his unsuccessful interrogation. So he's telling me this little 17-year-old broad, 18-year-old broad got the best of Darth Vader because he couldn't get her to uh, do, you know, do the Harvey Weinstein. Come on. Come on, guys. Anyway. <laughs> Luke's flight simulator test. So the drama includes numerous additional lines of dialogue in the film for the protagonist. Uh, but on, Ra- on y- Yavin 4, after reuniting with Biggs, Luke's piloting abilities are tested via a flight simulator, which kind of makes sense, you know. Like, do you really want to throw this kid behind, uh, you know, the uh, the controls of an X-wing if you don't know who the fuck he is? I mean, come on, seriously. Uh, he impresses um, Biggs and a rebel officer going up against sizable portion of the Imperial fleet and only being shot down twice. Um, and blah, 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 whatever. Okay, so they they put him in a flight simulator. Um, 
that's pretty much it. This is the uh, you know the, the 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 three or four things that the radio drama made better for the a New Hope. Uh, Next, well, would you say is it over with you? You don't like it? I would say it is <laughs> not over. Mm-hmm. But but speaking of over. Ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment here on the new, 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 new force order called Who is More Over? Now, I know it's not grammatically correct, even though you're grammatically erect, it's okay because we are talking in wrestling lingo. And what does over mean? It means getting popular with the fans. When something's over with you, you really love it. Uh, whether it's the good guy wrestler, the baby face, you pay a lot of Imperial credits to come see him kick the crap out of the villain. Or if it's the villain wrestler that you love, called the heel, that you'll pay a lot of Scott Old to come see him get his ass kicked and try to make the baby face look like fucking dog shit. Um, through his antics, obviously. You're not going to bring a dog into the ring and shit. Didn't work the first time. Um, that's, that's Japan. No, that, that was that fucking kennel match with the fucking boss man. You forgot? Oh, I remember that. The one. hell in the cell where the two dogs were humping each other and shitting all over the place. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's the first match ever. That's more the shits than a fucking Joey Tell or an Alvin Alvarez match. But <laughs> a tag, I, a tag I, match with those guys. I digress. Um, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we compare two aspects of Star Wars. It could be a person, it could be a place, it could be a thing. And we see what's more over with you, the fans. But most importantly, what's more over with us? So, Doc, what's on the marquee tonight? This week, we look at um, two very prominent Jedi Masters. One is Master. is arguably one of the greatest Jedis to ever lace up a pair of Jordans. It's going to be our little green friend. Yes, you know him as well as I know him. As the man, the myth, the legend. Master Yoda. Powerful you have become, Dooku. The dark side I sense in you. I've become more powerful than any Jedi. Even you. Versus a very venerable Jedi who did things his own way. Who eventually left the fold and became a dark lord of the Sith, known as Darth Tyrannus, which sounds like he's a dinosaur, uh, but more commonly known as the Count himself. No, not the one from Sesame Street, but Count Dooku. Master Yoda. Count Dooku. You have interfered with our affairs for the last time. It is obvious that this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the Force, but by our skills with a lightsaber. Open 
the door, get on the floor. Everybody do the dinosaur. Boom, boom, chakalaka, boom, boom. I don't know why that song came into my mind right now when you said dinosaur. Anyhow. That's, that's hilarious. Anyway, let's go to the polls, Papa Don. Let's go to the polls. Here we oh, go. Do- All right, so on the polls this week. I'm getting there. Here we go. All right, ready? And uh, here oh, we, we go. go. Okay. Ooh, interestingly enough, let's see. Um, 66 to 33%. Uh, Joda is more over. Which uh, is interesting. Um, Adam DeJane says, as bad as Doku was and cool and cool, vote against Yoda? How can you? That's a good comment. Okay. Let's go to uh, the Instagram because I remember this week to put it up. Despite the fact that my life is chaotic and hectic. This isn't my only fucking job, if you can imagine. Anyway. Um, let's see the masters. So a similar, similar, similar on the Instagram. Uh, Yoda sixty and Doku forty percent. So interesting. Yoda's over, not by a ton, but he's over. Ladies and gentlemen, we we have an email address. We and we we want you guys to interact with us through email regarding this segment or any other thing we do in the show, if we ever get to it to do it. Um, or you just want to talk shop with us. You want to ask us some questions. You got an idea. You want to share it with us. Just hit us up. Newforceorder at yahoo.com. Now, um, we'll go straight to the emails and then we will we'll give our two cents. Uh, our first email comes from one of my favorite fans. Mr. Brandon bum ba ba bum. His mom takes it in the bum. Brandon Miller. Hi, fellas. So, once again, I'm going against what will probably be the popular pick and taking in my best Yoda voice, Count Dooku. While there's more famous Darksiders out there, Dooku had a backstory that had the majority of them beat. A backstory that was maybe even too underplayed in the prequels. I agree with you on that. From former Jedi to politician to Sith Lord, the guy pretty much covered every point of the spectrum, yet it's Anakin's fall from grace that gets talked about the most. Finally, Dooku was granted one of the best gifts any character in the film could be given being played by the late great christopher lee his acting presence alone puts him over nearly everyone in the galaxy until the day sir ian mckellen eventually lands a role in star wars of course i have to disagree with you on that but question about dooku that i've been meaning to ask you guys you see this is what i mean interaction anyhow I seem to remember the character being marketed before episode two as his Sith name, Darth Tyrannus. Yet we almost never hear him being called anything other than Count Dooku. It's a strange omission to me, given every other Sith in that time period went by Darth something besides Dooku. Was this some sort of retcon? Is there a canonical reason behind the name change? 
Hell, do you guys even recall the character being called Darth Tyrannus? Anywhere besides Django, offhandedly dropping the name to Obi-Wan in the movie. Thanks, fellas. Have a great week, Brandon. So, do you want me to touch this first? Or you want to touch it first? You touch it first. I, I'll take sloppy seconds. Pop. Um, <laughs> I was going to say the reason why they never mentioned Darth Tyrannus over and over and over again is because Dooku wasn't coming out of the gate as a Sith Lord, he was coming out of the gate as the leader of the Separatists. Trying to trying to separate from the Republic. Now it just happened to be that he was a Sith Lord and working in the shadows with Sidious. And that's why when he did do some shady business regarding Django and the clones and all that, he was going by Tyrannus. This way he can play both sides of the coin and never linked it to or connected to uh, at all to where they say, wait a minute, what's going on? Hence, hell, uh, even when he was talking to Obi-Wan and he broke kayfabe and told the truth. Obviously, Obi-Wan didn't believe him, but he said that he would destroy the Sith. So I guess he realized that he wanted to let the past die. Kill it if you must, you know what I mean? But he wasn't the mm-hmm. first guy to uh, tell the truth and the Jedi didn't believe him because of their arrogance. It also happened with Maul. Uh, with um, Ahsoka during uh, season seven of Clone Wars, and yep. if she listened to him, maybe they could have stopped Anakin from turning to the dark side, and maybe that's why she feels guilty. Who knows? That's from a certain point of view. Maybe we'll do that in the future. Maybe we won't. Who knows? But uh, that's that's <laughs> either, that's what either, I'm either, either either way. Fuck you guys. Um, yeah, yeah. That uh, that makes sense to me. Um, I think. I think you yeah I think you're onto something um with the Tyrannus thing um it seemed it always seemed very like clandestine to me that he was Darth Tyrannus that you're welcome thank you that he was Darth Tyrannus um and the fact that Django was the one who mentioned him it was almost like he, it was almost like he was trying to that could do that Duku was trying to prevent people from realizing that it was him who was behind everything like you said by using a pseudonym and not his actual, you know, his actual name. Because if obviously Django would have said, Oh, a guy named Dooku, some old dude, you know, white hair, small balls, um, hired me. He would have, well, we would have been like, Dooku, the Count Dooku, about yay high, uh, where's a cool, a cool cloak. Um, he would have, you know, they would have been, uh, the jig would have been up. So the, the name, which he was dubbed by, I would, we know, we know the emperor, but not probably the only the only people who knew about that were him and the emperor and when he told Django who he was. So, you know, they they were keeping a kayfabe brother. And I think that's probably the reason why they did it as opposed to retconning it and going back from there. Um, but, you know, the, the guy's got two fucking awesome names, Count Dooku and Dorf Tyrannus. I mean, which one would you want to go by? I like Tyrannus. It's, it's pretty dope. But I, I'm a but he's a count. He's a count. Like, I know. That's legit. Count- the count's the cool part. The, the Dooku. Yeah, the Dooku. Like, yeah. Doo doo. That's exactly that's what I when I was when I really you go to the guy fucking count doo doo. <laughs> could you imagine him growing up? Count doo doo. <laughs> uh, but you know what? 
All right. So do you, you want to touch this first as far as uh, who's more over for you? Yeah, sure. So uh, for me, listen, as much as I love Yoda and Yoda's been around for an eternity, he's an amazing sage and he's an amazing wisdom. Um, I think I think Yoda kind of gets pigeonholed into this kind of one dimensional one, you know, boxy character arc for me. Like he's the wise sage. And Brandon said it well, you know, you got a guy like Doku who when he was listing off all his, his, his accolades and what he did, I said to myself, I said, I think, wouldn't it be awesome if Disney Plus did a Count Dooku series? Like, just to go back and and do, you know, a, a one or two series uh, seasons about who, who he was in his life okay. and how he, how he became who he was. Who would you, who would you cast? What I cast Dooku. as a young Dooku. Um, let's see. Uh, Those are big like, shoes to fill, man. Yeah, it's legitimate big shoes to fill. Um, who would I cast as young Dooku? Uh, Shia LaBeouf. No, <laughs> that would be great. Um, hmm. I'm assuming you have somebody in mind already. I don't. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. But because uh, he has a great backstory, he has he, he has a super interesting setup and situation as to what happened to him. You know, he trained. Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon was his Padawan, so, you know, there's a lot of beef, you know, and it's a lot of internal beef in there that we never saw play out between Qui-Gon and him because he was dead. Um, I would love to, you know, get some kind of, like, canonical story in there that maybe Qui-Gon somehow knew that he had turned to the dark side and he was dealing with that stuff and the two of them had, like, some, you know, meet up at the fucking the cantina and they had a couple of drinks and he's like, bro, what happened to you, my man? You're my dude. Fuck this shit! I'm out of here. Fuck you and the Jedi. And he tried to convince, you know, he tried to convince uh, Qui Gon because he knew Qui Gon was like, you know, right on that edge over there because he was trying to be, he wasn't agreeing completely with the Jedi Council to like, you know, come on, join me. We'll 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 do this shit. Um, so I think that would be cool. But you know, long story short, because of what seems to be a better and more more multifaceted character, yeah, I'm gonna go with Count Dooku. Spiro, I think I know who you're going to pick. Uh, it'll be a great pick because it's always great with you, Spiro the Great. So who are you picking? Yoda or Dooku? Who's more over? Well, I'm going to I'm going to give you I'm going to give you the answer of who's more over with me personally, because when it comes to this, I really don't give a fuck about what anybody thinks. Um, I'm just going to say this. Dooku is more over with me for many reasons, okay? First of all, the guy started out on the light side. He woke up, okay? He woke up and decided to go over to the dark side, okay? But what I like about him going over to the dark side is that he did it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really something. He, he wasn't really a bad person. Okay, he didn't go, you know, like Anakin. He, you know, it, there was some form of a tragedy involved. There was that, you know, he, you know, there was something in him, you know, that, you know, he realized the fucking teachings of these ass clowns, the fucking Jedi Council, this Jedi Order bullshit. It's not fucking practical. It makes no sense. You know, if I was, you know, going through life based on the Sith teachings, maybe I, you know, saved my sister or I forgot exactly what had happened that made him turn. Um, 
Yeah, man, Dooku is moreover with me. Probably one of the greatest duelists, lightsaber duelists of all time. Um, Yoda, man, I, I never... I, Yoda's cute, I guess, and the way he talks, and he's a little green fucking Muppet and shit and all that. I, I, I was never really a fucking Yoda mark. I, I never... I never got it, man. It's like fucking E.T. Everybody's like, oh, he's so cute. Oh, my God, he's such a wonderful fuck. E.T. looks like a walking turd, bro. Okay? Yoda looks like a fucking old midget that somebody threw up on. I don't know, man. You know, he, he looks like a fucking hairy wart. I, whatever. Okay? It's cool. I fucking get it. I, I, I respect the fucking character and, and whatever the fuck. He, you know... I mean the best the the best moment in Yoda's uh trajectory is when he fought against uh Sidious and he went fucking ape shit fucking spinning around doing acrobatics and shit. Yay. Don't give a fuck, man. F fuck Yoda, dude, you know man, and fuck baby Yoda, you know, and, and I hope that we don't see any more baby Yoda and fucking the the Mandalorian, which may not even be called that anymore. I don't know, man. I don't know what what the fuck is going on with fucking Disney and Star Wars. You know, man. Just when things were were fucking getting better and <sighs> whatever, man. But yeah, man. Dooku is more over with me, man. Hmm. Again, interesting words by the Sith Lord, who's That's also right. a wordsmith, as you can tell. Um. As far as I go. I'm going to pick Dooku. As much as I love Yoda, um, and I think he's a very instrumental portion, a staple of the Star Wars lore, I do agree with you. He is very one-dimensional in the fact that he plays his part, but his part's always the same. He's always the grand master, master of the Jedi. Um we do realize by reverse engineering that his arrogance and his hubris is what cost the Jedi their downfall, along with not only him, but everybody on the council, their fucking snobby ways. Um, but Dooku, he was a great swordsman, you know, a great duelist. Probably one of the best. He had a great lightsaber handle. That's what she said. Um, uh, like you said, his look was awesome. Very regal-esque. Because he was, a, he was a count, after all. And he was a Jedi. He was a politician. Leader of the Separatist. He came from a noble, rich background. He wasn't a street rat like fucking Aladdin. And then he ended up being a Sith Lord. And then the look he gives Palpatine when he says, kill him. Kill him now. Club. He's like, you motherfucker. Like, he has that look in his eyes, dude. And the only other person, I think, as far as acting goes, that can live up to Christopher Lee is Peter Cushing and Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford. Well, the only other people. You know, I, I think those individuals did a hey you know what I'm, I'm 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 gonna add a couple more people to that uh adam driver did a fucking phenomenal phenomenal job um but 
just uh, I don't know, man. He has a special place in my heart, Count Dooku. Uh, I I'm not one of these guys who only like the bad guys, but I did like this bad guy. Just like I liked Mandarin in in, in Shang Chi. I thought he was he stole the movie, in my opinion. He was a great villain. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Um, the only gripe I had with Dooku was when I watched Episode Two for the first time in the theater. And I saw he was a Jedi that ended up being a Sith. I went, man, that kind of steals the fucking thunder from Vader. Cheapens it because he's not the only one who turned. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, I know. But then later they retconned it or they added more layers to the onion, if you will, by him saying he walked away from the Jedi to go back to being a politician. So it is a different uh, scenario. And it does still leave Vader uh or Anakin in its own bubble, if you will, its own little uh, echo chamber. But um, yeah, man, I'm gonna pick fucking Duke. I like Duke. Oh, uh, look at Yoda getting no love right now. Oh, uh, he got love, but again, no, it's, I, I it's, get it's it. like it's like Ray, dude. Ray started off at a hundred, ended at a hundred, right? She was a kick-ass Jedi warrior. She ended up being a kick-ass Jedi warrior at the end. Yoda was a master, grandmaster, and he ended up being a grandmaster. You know what I'm saying? He didn't mm-hmm. he didn't evolve. The only thing that changed was his mentality on things, his maturation of his mental not his mental well-being or mental health, but just the way he looked at things. At first he was hubris and you know, it's the Jedi way or the highway. Then he realized, ah oh, shit, we fucked up. You know, we done fucked up. You know, what are we gonna do now? We got to wait for this fucking guy to stop playing with his pee-pee so he can play with his dad's lightsaber. You know, and that sounded a lot dirtier than I meant it, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Hilarious. Definitely, 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 definitely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you guys can send your picks if you want to touch base on this next week or on future shows. We'll answer We'll answer it late, if you will. Uh, NewForceOrder at Yahoo.com. But um, we also do another segment on the show called You Just Made the List. You just made the list. We touch base on certain lists that make the interwebs. We give our opinions, whether the list is great or it's horseshit. And we go through them because sometimes it's kind of fun to go through the list and see what everyone thinks about a certain character or per or scenario or whatever the case may be. Uh, I have one, two, three, ha, ha, ha. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven lists. That's way I, too many lists. I'm gonna read one right now. Here we go. Ready? I know which one you're gonna read. Go. Five ways Leia is like yeah, Padme, and five I ways she's like Anakin. <laughs> I knew it. If it involves Padme, I'm as AEW says, all in. Anyway, uh, here we go. So, like Padme, she was raised in luxury. So yes, we know she was a princess adopted by Senator Organa. Uh, grew up as an heiress to the royal family of Alderaan. Okay, like Anakin, she's skilled in the Force. And they show a photo of her flying like Mary Poppins. That's probably not the best one to show. Anyway, um, like Padme, she is political. Very true. Like Anakin, she lost her family. Yes, indeed, she definitely lost her family. Did we ever find out what happened to Padme's family? Like, what's up with her dad? Don't there was something about her mom kicking around or something? Uh... Well, they were introduced, right, in, in yeah. episode two? Yeah, so still there, though. Anyway, didn't get fried. Like Padme, she has a natural confidence. 
which indeed she is a born leader. We know that. And naturally confident, not afraid. Uh, and she speaks her own mind. Anyway, like Anakin, she is sarcastic. Indeed, she did get her some of her dad's wit, you know, prior to him getting burnt alive. Like Padme, she is diplomatic. Isn't that like, you know, kind of being political? Uh, whatever. Anyway, like Anakin, she has a quick temper. Uh, isn't that like being sarcastic? Uh, like Padme, she is selfless. Um, from the moment we meet her, smuggling plans for the Imperial Star Destroyer. Smuggling what? Smuggling, yeah, with some salami. Um, she was known to be selfless, just like Padme was selfless for her, her people of Naboo. And like Anakin, she changed paths to save a loved one. One of the biggest questions fans had about Leia's journey post-ROTJ was whether she would have joined Luke as a Jedi. While she proved that she understood how to control the Force in The Last Jedi, it wasn't until the sequel that it was revealed that she abandoned her training after seeing the death of her son, Ben, at its end. Anakin experienced similar visions when he foresaw Padme dying in childbirth. He ditched the Jedi once and for all to use the powers of Sith to keep her alive. Of course, that didn't work. So, like her mother and like her father. I think she got uh, a really amazing qualities from both of them. You're just saying that because you want to bang her. So much. Oh my goodness. <laughs> All right. To this, to this day. To of this course, day. Dude. To this day. To this day. To this day. Of course. She's a hot piece of ass. Um, Let's see. There's a couple of interesting ones here. Let's see which I'm going to touch first. The seven inconsistencies created by Darth Vader being Luke's father. Spoiler alert. So, let's see. Number seven. It turned out Obi-Wan was a liar. Liar? Well, it's from a certain point of view. As always. Uh, Number six. Luke's father wanted his son to have his lightsaber. Or did he? Um, another strange, stray bit of dialogue from Obi-Wan's exposition in Star Wars, which he produced. Some complications is where he introduces the lightsaber. According to Obi-Wan, Luke's father wanted Luke to have his lightsaber when he came of age. That sounds it, way more dirty than it actually should be. Um... I think he was just playing on Luke's heartstrings to try to convince him to fucking... Of course he was. Number five. Is Darth a name or a title? We've touched base on this. Uh, Only in Master of Evil, Darth, in episode four, as opposed to him saying Anakin or Vader. Which I'm surprised they haven't dubbed out in, like, special edition. You know what I mean? Yeah, fixed it. Vader doesn't sense Luke on the Death Star. Interesting. I've never thought about this. I actually never thought about that. Well, so how much force did Luke really have at that point to really be sensible? Like, you know, we know the next one you're going to read is that he didn't sense Leia, but Leia had no force at that point. So, you know, if you don't use something, how could someone sense it? Mm. (laughs) I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, (laughs) I see your point, but he does realize that the force is strong with him when he's flying the X-Wing in the trench. Yeah, well, at that point, he probably had a little more of the force in him. That's what she said. Uh, Let's see. Number two, is Uncle Owen an uncle at all? (laughs) He's he's Aunt Owen because he's, it's uh, 2020. What's he, one of the fucking Wachowski sisters now? Luke calls his guard. 
Luke calls his guardians Owen and Baru uncle and aunt since they both express familiarity with Luke's father. It'd be easy to interpret Owen as simply as Anakin's brother. However, Anakin's backstory raised the question of why Luke would be left with his biological family. The Return of the Jedi novelization positioned that Owen had in fact been Obi-Wan's brother. But this was discarded in Attack of the Clones. The film clumsily retconned Owen into Anakin's stepbrother, one who he barely knew. The entire subplot reeks of Lucas forgetting to put Owen in the Phantom Menace and then having him compensated. All right. Tarkin knows Obi-Wan and Vader's history. I want to read this because I'm a big Star Wars uh, Tarkin mark. Since Star Wars was written without Darth Vader having any sort of secret identity, an exchange between him and Tarkin come off as bizarre in retrospect. In said exchange, Vader informs Tarkin that Obi-Wan is aboard a Death Star in reverse to the Jedi's My Old Master. 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 Tarkin in turn acknowledges Vader as a former Jedi describing the Dark Lord, all that is left of the Jedi's religion. Oh, that's right. While later material indicates that Tarkin had discovered Vader was Anakin indeed. In this scene, it's Vader who offers information about his old life. This is at odds with the later media for any number of reasons. The most obvious being that Vader himself prefers to think of himself as a different person. So there you have it, folks. Seven different uh, quagmires. Quagmires. Wow, look at you. (sighs) Yes. Anyway, five ways Luke is different between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. And five, he's the same. Okay, let's see. Different. Luke is more capable in Empire. Okay. Of what? Nine, capable of just a capable person. Oh. Capable Jedi. He stands up to Vader in a duel, which he would have been murdered if he was the first one. The same, Luke is still emotional. Yeah, he's a little emotional bitch. Was Luke the first emotional emo bitch? Oh my God, hold on a second here. Yeah. From a certain, from a certain point of view. Uh, eight different Luke switches to his lightsaber. So instead of you know focusing on his blaster, which he did in the New Hope, he uses the lightsaber more often. The same Luke is still dedicated to the rebellion. Six different Luke is less stubborn in a New Hope. Uh, sorry, that Luke is less stubborn in a New Hope. In a New Hope, he's less stubborn. Yes, I guess you're right because he listened to Obi Wan uh, without you know even questioning it. Same Luke always yearns for adventure. Four, different Luke becomes more skeptical. Same, Luke falls to reign in his, fails to reign in his impulsiveness. Again, he's emotional. Different, Luke manages to use the force deliberately. So that was him pulling the lightsaber. He, you know, it wasn't just like uh, an instinctive thing. It was he was deliberately using the force. And the same, Luke is always compassionate. I feel like I could write for these stupid fucking, uh, these um, nonsensical fucking articles. Anyway. We're, we're skipping the um, the Clone Wars ranking every character introduced. That's kind of stupid. Um, let's see. Pick oh, no, one. Do you, you got do, you want, one? do you want Wampa and the seven other most terrifying creatures of the original I, I trilogy? Actually, I, like, I like that one. Do that one. Okay. Or do you want to do seven Ralph McQuarrie concepts that change Star Wars? I'll do that one afterwards. Which one do you want to do? I'll do one or the other. Do uh, the scary monsters. Okay. Number one. The wife. Number two, the wife. <laughs> the wife. Number three, <laughs> the, the wife. <laughs> All right, let's see. Pop. Thank you. Number one, uh, number eight. Uh, let me read the, t- the, the title. Star Wars, the Wampa and seven other most terrifying the, creatures. Star Wars, the wife. <laughs> uh, 
Number eight is the Wampa. Um, yeah, he was terrifying. I'm not going to lie. Number seven is the Rancor, obviously. Number five is the Dianoga. Eh, well, I wouldn't say it was terrifying, but okay. It was uh, definitely an 80s, 70s. Number five, Jawas? That's silly. Keep moving. Number four, the Exogorth, which is the crater worm that the Millennium Falcon is in, is in Inside Empire. Mm-hmm. Number three is the Crate Dragon, as Great we saw dragon. in the number well, two. We saw, is the, we, we saw the skeleton of the Crate Dragon. We didn't see the Crate Dragon. Yeah. Until Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is the Minox. Those were the suction cup uh, bats that were. What about, what about my cock? <laughs> uh, and number one is a Sarlacc pit. Eh. I want to say yeah. the Sarlacc pit was terrifying. I would say uh, the Wampa and the Rancor that was probably most most terrifying ones well, at all. I think the way they presented the Sarlacc, you know, the, with, with the way they presented the Minoc, and that's mine. Sorry, the Wampa and the Rancor. What about you, Kyle? Yes. The way they presented them was a little um, more menacing and more because they, you know, they especially with the Wampa, they didn't show a lot of it when it was happening. But if if you look at things, you know, things that I rather not face, like I don't want to get dumped in this Sarlacc pit. So I I kind of agree with them when it comes to that one. But the Jawas, come on, what kind of bullshit is that? I don't know. We've never seen them with their hoods down. Maybe they know something we don't. Yeah, exactly. They look like Max's wife. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there. Go ahead. Um, which one am I doing? You want to do the Macquarie Seven Concept? Star, uh, concept seven, seven Concept of of uh, Let's see here, Alan. Um, I'm I'm just scrolling through all your anti-vaccine posts. Give me a second, Alan. I didn't throw any anti-vaccine <laughs> posts. It was at least three of them. Hold on. No, not at all. Um, here we go. Top seven Ralph Macquarie concepts that changed Star Wars. Number one, the Sand Crawler. Number seven is Sankarill, actually, excuse me. Um, you know, he draw they basically lifted it exactly the way he drew it from the thing. Stormtroopers, uh, the initial design for the stormtroopers, they actually had lightsabers, which yep. would have definitely cheapened things, I think. So um I'm glad they they decided not to go that way. The Adat, Holly would be very, very proud of this. Uh the Adat. Um, again, exactly ripped from what he had. Tatooine with the twin sons and the desert, Dagobah. With those funky-looking trees and those crazy-looking huts, the droids, you know, the initial droids. If you look at the you know, the um, the plans for them, C-3PO was a little more feminine-like. It's hard, I know it's hard to believe him being more feminine-like than that. Um, and then R2 looked a little more like Chopper. Um, they made uh, toys of both of those. And Darth Vader, his look was a little bit different. Um, it really was a more narrow looking mask and the eyes were a little differently shaped and the helmet was kind of differently shaped and it looked a little more menacing than I think with the one that we actually got because um, it almost it almost looks it looks very, very alien the way they set the mask up. Um, and speaking of alien, I, I don't know if you saw this, Papa Don, but uh, I'm going to bring it to your attention right now. OK, um, as we ra- round out our lists, uh, did you see? The uber popular um, and uh, quite talented, I'm going to throw that out there, Little Nas X at the Met Gala, dressed as C-3PO for the most part. I did see it. Uh, <laughs> Little Nas X is definitely not talented. 
Um, Making more money than you and I, buddy. Well, that's because he's playing to the masses, dude. He has yeah. the opportunity. He's on the stage. <laughs> he's more like he's playing to the asses. <laughs> well played. Um, I, I saw that. I saw him also wear a dress looking like uh, a fruitcake. Um, and then I saw other people at the gala. Oh, no, that was at the VMA he was wearing a dress. Uh, at the galas, what's her name? AOC was wearing a dress saying tax the rich. Yep. Meanwhile, the gala's probably what thirty thousand dollars a ticket to go. Yeah, that dress was like a seven thousand dollar dress. You really you tax the rich? Come on, you're one of them. Uh, horse shit, like the lists. Anyhow, I digress. Let's not go down this political rabbit hole. Shout out to Dominic Pace. Congratulations on making Gecko canon even more. Unlike Revan, <laughs> who will end up being played by Brie Larson and a chick when Spiro ends up going to Lucasfilm and blowing it all up. Anyway, anything else you want to add? I think that's it, my friend. Let's take her home. All right, let's blow this popple skull stand. I'm um, not blowing anybody unless you pay me $20. Gotcha. I got, quad- I got a joke for you. I got two jokes for you before we go home. First joke. Teacher goes to their class. I'm going to tell you guys some animals. Gotta tell me what they offer us. Goes to Susie. What do we get from a chicken? She looks around. She goes, eggs. Very good, Susie. Tommy, what do we get from pigs? He looks around and goes, bacon. Oh, I love bacon. Very good. Then she goes to little Johnny. Johnny, what do we get from fat cows? Homework. <laughs> <laughs> I popped for that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Second one. Um, ah, oh, fuck. What was the second one? Hold on. CTE kick it in. Yeah, it is. Cause I, I forget. <laughs> fuck. What were we talking about before the jokes? Um, uh, going home. Going home. And you said you're not blowing anybody unless. You're oh yeah, 20. that's the one. Twenty dollars. Twenty dollars. Ah shit. Fuck. All right, never mind. I'll put that one on the back burner, right okay. next to the meth. Um, no, uh, no offense, homeboy eighty eight about the meth. Don't get all fucked up. Anyhow, uh, let them know. Let them know where they can find you, right, Doc? You can find me at Doctor Dr. underscore Destroyo D E S T R R O I O on Instagram, Alex Royo M D on Twitter, Alex Royo on Facebook, Alex Royo M D on TikTok, and you can find me at the Yankee game. This Sunday, caring for all you fans. Spiro, where are you? Where are you at, dude? I know it's great. Hit us with a new voice drop because I'm tired of hearing shit about the Rational Rage Network. Yeah, man, it's been great. But you can also find me. God knows where the fuck, aside from work these days. But if but check out the Rational Rage Network. Uh, have you know? There's other guys doing doing things there. Uh, you got wrestling shows. You got fucking doomsday prepper shows. Uh, on Instagram, Spiro underscore A, Darth underscore Spiridon. And that's it, guys. All right. Good job, Spiro. Great as always. Uh, you can find me at Greek God Papadon on Twitter, on Instagram, Demetrius Papadon. On Facebook. Pro Wrestling Tees slash Greek God Papadon is my t-shirt shop. Go get your GGP t-shirts. Greek God Papadon is the YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Go hit the notification bell. 
like the videos, comment, enjoy, enjoy watching me kick ass in my underwear. Ooh. Very nice. Um, Doc enjoys it very often. Um, anyhow, you could find the three of us collectively together at NFO underscore podcast on Twitter. New Force Order on Instagram. Official New Force Order on the Book of Face. And New Force Order at Yahoo.com is the email address. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for giving us your time and your ears. Um, hopefully we entertained you. Hopefully we enlightened you. Most importantly, hopefully we got Star Wars more over with you. Because we will never get ourselves over on the expense of Star Wars. This has been another exciting edition of the new force order for life. And that's just too sweet. Hands forth. Execute. Order. N. F. Oh.